Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So much fun. I'm really enjoying this topic. The topic of hooks. Because at 8.15, calling in is an engineer who's involved with the design of a new hook, a new suture I'm using in the operating room so I don't have to tie knots anymore. It's an innovation which began by a surgeon going home and taking a piece of fishing line that we use in the operating room to sew people up once we've made an incision called monofilament, like a fishing line. And he took a scalpel and he made tiny barbs. He cut into the suture, not all the way, only part of the way, and it made a little barb on the monofilament suture material, the line, the thread. And so when you now pass that suture through tendon, muscle, as I'm putting things back together again as a surgeon, just like a fish hook, you pull up on it and the barb that he made locks the tissues. I don't have to tie knots anymore. It's fascinating. And so at 8.15, we're going to learn more about it from the engineers who are behind the scenes from Ethicon. I love it. But it made me think all week because you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, in the world of surgery, where is this ingenious idea of the hook or the barb? Because a hook locks you in. Well, in the world of art and music, in 1995, John Popper from the group Blues Traveler, he wrote a song literally called Hook. And the song is all about I'm not going to put any words that mean anything in this song because what I'm about to sing, the music itself is going to hook your brain because I'm using an idea that came about 300 years ago by a man named Paco Bell. Sounds crazy. He basically, listen to the song. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I say. As I sing with inflection, with meaning, makes you feel like makes you feel like I'm gonna say something. But I'm actually not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna sing like I do have meaning. Because I said nothing so far. And I can keep it up for as long as I want. It's because the music is a repeating metronome. And that's the hook. I've hooked you. The hook brings you back. That's the secret. John Popper discovered this song from 1680. 
Johann Pachelbel. But he's not the only musician to have discovered it. Bob Marley, Paul McCartney, Adam Levine. They've all discovered and to copy the canon in D major by Pachelbel, this repeating series of notes hooks the listener. You don't even have to have words. This is Pachelbel's canon in D. It's an extremely repetitive sequence of chords that you've definitely heard in your life. It's often played as the bride is walking down the aisle at a wedding, but it's also the basis for a bunch of super popular songs. When I find myself in times of trouble, There isn't exactly one precise definition of what a hook really is, but it's basically a short, memorable, instantly familiar part of a song. It's often the chorus or part of the chorus, but it could also be an iconic riff or something too. So, what happens when you combine Pachelbel's Canon in D, a chord progression that is a certifiable way to create a hit song, and an earworm of a hook that you want to listen to over and over again, and lyrics that actually criticize both of those things. You get the song Hook by Blues Traveler. By Blues Traveler. Listen to their story. Blues Traveler is fittingly a blues rock band that formed in 1987. While a lot of their music is a bit niche, these guys are extremely talented and their lead singer, John Popper, has an incredible voice. After a few years in the business and the release of three projects, the band finally had their breakthrough with the 1994 album, Four. And now listen to the lyrics. The song begins with these lyrics in the opening verse. It doesn't matter what I say, so long as I sing with inflection. That makes you feel I'll convey some inner truth or vast reflection. But I've said nothing so far, and I can keep it up for as long as it takes. And it don't matter who you are, if I'm doing my job, it's your resolve that breaks. It's unbelievable to learn that this is what's going on. Your brain is hooked like a fish is hooked on a fish hook. And once we get to the hook of the song, he's singing a catchy hook where he's criticizing everyone who keeps playing the same tracks over and over again because they have a catchy hook. It's short, repetitive, and completely meaningless, but it's instantly memorable and it's the part of the song that will keep people coming back for more. Verse 2 goes like this. There is something amiss. I am being insincere. In fact, I don't mean any of this. Still, my confession draws you near. To confuse the issue, I'll refer to familiar heroes from long ago. No matter how much Peter loved her, what made the pan refuse to grow. So it may not have anything to say in these lyrics of the song Hook, John Popper and Blues Traveler. But there is one lyric that is fascinating because he refers to Peter Pan. Because Peter Pan, his nemesis, was Captain Hook. John referencing Peter Pan for no reason at all is just proving his point about the true meaning of the song. He can say anything he wants to, and you'll eat it up. But this is where it gets complicated. These lyrics about Peter Pan become validated in the very next line. In Peter Pan, Peter had two choices. If he actually grew up, he could be with Wendy. But if he stayed a kid forever, that meant that he could continue his age-old cat-and-mouse rivalry with Captain Hook. 
And that's what we get in the next line when we circle back to the hook of the song. John Popper's singing and telling you that the hook brings you back. In real life, in music, and in this very song, the hook is what keeps people coming back for more. But also, in Peter Pan, Peter decided to stay a kid forever because Captain Hook kept him coming back for more. This became such a huge hit for them. John Popper wrote a genius next level song criticizing popular music and how anybody will listen to anything if it's catchy, and to hammer his point home, he did it through a catchy song. But the bittersweet irony of all of it is that Hook proved that John was right by being a ridiculously popular radio hit on an album that sold 6 million copies. Blues Traveler would go on to experiment and shy away from radio hits like this, and they never replicated this level of success again. The song is called Hook. It comes from Pachelbel coming up with this genius idea of hooking your brain. Where in the world of sports do you see a hook? Do you see this same idea? Well, believe it or not, there is a Michael Jordan of fishing, and he designs hooks. His name is Kevin Van Dam. I don't even care what he's talking about. Just like we don't even care what the lyrics are that John Popper's singing about. But if you sing with inflection, if you speak with such passion for what you're talking about, it doesn't even matter. This is Kevin Van Dam, the Michael Jordan of bass fishing, talking about designing a hook. Hey, Kevin Van Dam here. And one of the things that I'm a fanatic about is hooks. And especially when you get into hard baits and treble hooks, you gotta have the right hook for the right situation. You know, and over the years, I've experimented with a lot of different styles and brands and things, and I finally got with Mustad and decided that I wanted to design the perfect treble hook, you know, for bass fishing. What's a hook? It's just a hook, right? It's a pointy little thing and has a barb. No. The type of pointy hook. The width of the hook, the length of the hook, the material it's made of. When you start thinking about it, oy vey, it's, there's a million things that go into the design of a hook. It depends which kind of fish you're going for. Is, are the fish swimming where there's trees underwater? Are the fish swimming where there's tall grass underwater? Hey, do you want a fish that has a big mouth, a small mouth? How about a fish like a muskie or a pike or a northern that has teeth? Depends on the fish. What about the fishing line that you're using? Exactly the same issues that go into what kind of suture material that I'm going to use in the operating room to sew you up. Same thing for catching a fish. And we came up with a fantastic hook in the KVD Elite treble. And, you know, the idea behind the design is that it's two extra short and it's one extra strong in wire. It's the TG76 and it's, it's the hook that I use for most situations. The advantages of having an extra wide gap, super short shank hook is the strength that it gives you. You know, when, you, when you're looking at smaller baits like square bills, especially little crank baits and things like that, um, you can put a bigger, wider gap hook on a small bait. And today, especially, you know, with the advent of braided lines and fluorocarbon lines that have less stretch, having a hook that's super strong like this really is an advantage because the hook isn't going to flex at all. Here he talks about the different kinds of fish you may be going for. So, you know, a jerk bait like this, I can put three number fours on there. 
and it's going to keep the balance, it's not going to make the bait sink. And those hooks are longer, they hang farther out there, so that you're going to be able to hook more fish with it. Same thing with your bigger topwaters like this, or your finesse topwaters. You cannot add weight to it, so the standard wire hook is absolutely critical for that. Um, even your big crankbaits, you know, that have good spacing between um, the hook eyes, you know, you're throwing these usually on 10-pound test line, so hook flex is really not an option. So I can go to these bigger, longer shanked hooks that have that lighter wire, and the hooks are going to penetrate with almost no pressure at all. The opposite end of the spectrum, you know, when you need a long shanked hook that's still super strong, is on the really big baits. And a lot of this application may not be necessarily for a bass fisherman like myself, but if you fish for musky, pike, a redfish, things like that, peacock bass, you want a hook that has got not only a big gap and is super strong, but it'll hang down. You know, a big jerk bait like this, these big top waters and things like that, you want a long shanked hook or a full shanked hook, but still need the extra heavy strong wire with that KVD Elite, you know, triple grip design. You know, it gives you a wide gap and, uh, you know, tremendous hooking power for these bigger baits like that. He's thinking about the different kind of fish you're going to be getting. How about this? The different conditions. There's so many times when I need a super strong hook and, you know, the extra wide gap uh, in those short shanks allows me to put bigger hooks on it. You know, a bait like this, I can put two number twos on it when it comes standard with number fours. And when you're throwing this crankbait around timber or heavy grass, things like that, and you're throwing it on heavier line, you want that stronger hook. And these hooks aren't going to tangle, so I can go to that bigger size. Who knew there was such a science behind this? But listen to this. He makes such a good hook because it stays in the fish's mouth. Well, what happens when that hook ends up in your own hand? This is interesting to listen to. The technique he came up with for being able to pull the hook out of your own hand if it gets stuck. Here he is in the middle of doing a show. He just caught an eight-pound bass and now realizes, oh, my God, the hook for the fish is now in my own hand. Boom! <laughs> There's an eight-pounder right there. Dude, and I just got a hook in my hand. This is not what you want right here. That's bad. And you just catch an eight-pounder, you want to get back in there. But I've got to get that out, and the only way to do it is with braided line. So I'm going to have to... Uh... Hey, uh, I need... I got a hook in my hand, and it's a big hook, so uh, you need to jerk it out, but I'll show you how to do it. And he needs braided line because the braided line won't stretch. You need something taut because you yank on it, but you have to pull the hook, hook out parallel to that barb, and that's the technique he's doing right now. But first he has to detach the lure from this beautiful hook he designed. So the first thing you want to do yeah. is I got to get this sucker off here. It's going to hurt, but... Oh, God. Okay. That part's easy. Okay. I'm going to get a rod with some braid in here. What we got to do now is tie it in this part right there. Just tie it like three or four. Do one more. Because it's a two-aught. <laughs> okay. And then... What I gotta do here? Yeah, you got it. That's good. Okay, so you, then you're gonna you're gonna wrap your arm around right here and get just about that much, and you're gonna get a slack, and you're gonna freaking jack it. Oh God! Don't tell me, just do it. What? Slick as a whistle. Oh yeah. We'll put that hook back on there. 
This is the new bleeding, sexy blueback herring color. Complete with KVD meat. Yeah, he pulled out a piece of his own palm of his hand. Kevin Van Dam, the Michael Jordan of fish hooks. John Popper, the Michael Jordan of writing a song about hooks. And coming up next, we're going to be talking to Howard, the greatest engineer that Ethicon has, who's a hook and suture designer. Because in my world of surgery, we do need a hook. And nobody knows more about it than Howard. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's like one plus one is three. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Antibiotics, they were nice. Going to the moon was nice. But putting Oreo cookies around vanilla ice cream and hot fudge, unbelievable. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Don't start clinging to me, girl, because I can't breathe. We're having too much fun here, Steve Paulette. This should be illegal. Mac Davis, I remember him with that curly hair. Wow. Hooked on me. (laughs) Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Too much fun. And thanks for telling your friends. What a pleasure. I'm joined now by an engineer who knows a lot about that Mac Davis song because he knows all about the world of hooks and sutures and in my operating room. The great Howard, how do I pronounce your last name? Scalzo. Scalzo. Wow. Where does that come from? Italy? Czechoslovakia? Where does it come from? It it comes from Italy. No way. What part of Italy? Um, The southern part, Calabria, Naples, those areas. Yeah, the Mafia. Right, exactly. That's right. Murder Incorporated. Good for you. Wow, Howard. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you have any relatives? They were actually in the mob? Um, none that I'm willing to, to discuss. <laughs> Listen, I went to one of those family circle meetings with my father when I was a little boy. He was holding my hand. He goes, Robbie, we're going to stay over on this side of the family because that side, they were with Meyer Lansky, and we're not going to talk to those relatives. And all I wanted to do was... What's what's going on with that corner of the room? Oh my God! Uh, they were the Brooklyn Steel Corporation. They they delivered the steel to the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. I'm going back. I must have been. This is in the '60s at this family circle wow. meeting, and I, his name was Uncle Phil. He was a gangster, and he was like, "Oh mm-hmm. my God!" But listen, every family has them. There's a mafia in every every heritage. We all have mafias. I love it. Exactly, Howard. So tell us your story. Where'd you grow up? 
What did your dad do for a living? Where did you go to school? Where did engineering come to you in your life instead of becoming a florist? So, so I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a butcher. Wow. And, um, so what was, made you uh, decide you didn't want to be a butcher? Um, my father sitting me down and saying, um, <laughs> you're not going to be a butcher. You're going to go to uh, college. And uh, both my mother and father saying to me, we think with what you uh, what are what you're good at and what your interests are that you should go for mechanical engineering. Really? And I said, oh, I said, okay, that sounds good. I had wanted to be a doctor, uh-huh. but uh, I, I would pass out when I would get a shot at the, the, <laughs> the doctor's office and the sight of blood didn't go well with me. So I started to rethink that career path. Where did and you then, go to school? Uh, I, I went to New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. After... Uh, graduating with a degree in mechanical engineering and working for a few years, um, decided that um, I wanted to go back because at the end of the day, I wanted to be involved in an industry that uh, went to help people directly. So I went back for biomedical engineering Hmm. and then um, came out, worked for about six and a half years in the orthopedic industry, uh, making hips and knees. And then for the last 25 years, uh, have been with Ethicon, a division of Johnson & Johnson, working on sutures. Hmm. You know, when you think back, I I had the pleasure of being in Europe on a bicycle trip, and we went to the caves, the painted caves in France. It's like the oldest man's cave paintings. It's in this little, I don't even know if they allow people to go there anymore because the oxygen down there, it's ruining it. But you look at these cave paintings that they made thousands of years ago. It's about hunting and... well, if you do go to Polynesia or go to China, the moment you start seeing man fishing, you're going to see a fish hook. It's so ancient as a tool. It doesn't get – and even a scalpel that I use as a surgeon. We're talking about technology that is so ancient, and yet you, you think you can't really improve on it. But look at what you do. You make this whole idea of – the analysis of the tip of the needle, the shape of the tip of the needle, the needle itself, is it curved or is it straight? How about should there be an eye or a hole in the needle to let the suture go through or should you actually crimp the suture material directly to the needle? And how about the suture? Should it be braided like a ponytail? Should it be like a fishing line? What should it be made of? Should it have a coating on it to prevent bacteria from jumping on it, which I know is your specialty? Should you put hooks in it, barbs in it, so I don't have to tie knots as a surgeon? I just love like going not only below the surface, but the 10 different layers that you can go for something that is so simple and so elegant. And really, it is a joy to be able to talk to someone like you who spends their hours each day passionate about, you're right, making the world a better place for someone like me, a surgeon, to be able to make the stitch that I use better to take care of patients. I, As a surgeon, I can't thank you enough for being that guy behind the scenes, making those patients who come to my office to thank me. But it's, it's great to be at the, the face of it. But you need to know, Howard, your work they should also be thanking someone like you. 
Well, I really appreciate that. It is um, it is my pleasure and honor to to do what I do. Uh, I, I really feel like my parents knew what I what I should do, and uh, I'm doing exactly what I should be. Uh, I, you know, basically called to to doing what I do. And again, I'd like to thank you for the work you do, and and uh, knowing that we can make great products, but uh, until we get it in your hands, they're just just products sitting on the shelf. So. Well. Thank, thank, thank you. you for saying it. It's my pleasure. Teach the listeners, and we got a lot of them. This is a very popular show. Teach the listeners a little bit about the history and really your view of of what it is to put something in my hands to repair something that either I just made, which is an incision and going through muscles and tendons to get into the joint to do my surgery, or God forbid someone trips and falls and ruptures a rotate a cuff and Achilles tendon, a quadriceps muscle, that trauma led to the tear and I need sutures to now repair it. Take us through the history and what you find most fascinating about the Howard Scalzo view of what's so fascinating to you about using a needle and thread in, in surgery. Well, I think, as you mentioned, I mean, there there's records and it is an ancient process. You know, the Egyptians... Uh, used it to uh, uh, treat shoulder problems, and they were using n- needles that were made out of bone hmm. with holes in it. To, again, an eyed needle. Ancient Greeks and Romans used sutures to hold gladiators' severed tendons uh, together, as well as the other occupational injuries that gladiators had at that time. Hmm. And um, there's also a record of am- uh, early amputations, where when they would amputate uh, a leg, and then they would take that and put it in boiling oil to stop the bleeding Hmm. and someone took some sutures and wound up tying off all those ends of those um uh blood vessels and the results were 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 drastically better because of that Hmm. and you know we look back to uh joseph lister uh you know 1876 he introduced the concept of uh, aseptic surgery Mm -hmm. and uh robert wood johnson one of the johnson johnson's heard lister speak and decided to change his company to provide surgical, uh, sterile surgical products, because at that time, surgeons would operate in their street clothes. They mm. would carry instruments from patient to patient, and they would have like a pin cushion on their lapel, and they would keep their needles and threads in that. There was no idea about uh, a, a, a septic uh, surgical uh, suite or, or products. Mm. So in 1887, uh, Johnson & Johnson began to manufacture mass-produced sterile sutures made of cat gut or silk. Hmm. And this kind of ushered in the modern aseptic uh, surgery and, of course, greatly improved uh, surgical outcomes. Hmm. And cat gut is thought to be from the Italian word, getting back to the Italian here, uh, kit gut, or Hmm. an old stringed instrument where we get the modern word guitar from. Hmm. And these strings were made from sheep's intestines. Hmm. So there, there was all at this time all natural materials. So there were things like wool and cotton, linen, hair, intestines, buckskin, tree bark, hmm. uh, kangaroo tendons, and silk. Hmm. And it wasn't until 1940 that a synthetic material called nylon came on the scene. Wow. And then as we moved along in history in the 1970s, there was a synthetic material that allowed for the sutures to naturally absorb so they right. didn't have to be removed. Right. And then people, of course, were, you know, much happier about that. They didn't have to go back and get those uh, sutures removed. And then in 1998, there were some skin adhesives, topical skin adhesives that became commercially available. So 
I think that children and parents in operating rooms around the world were very thankful for that because of the trauma of getting an injury and having to have that suture. And then, as you had mentioned early in 2003, antibacterial sutures were introduced, and I've uh, spent most of my career working on that. And that was to help address the risk of surgical site infections. Mm. And then in 2011, we first introduced the uh, Stratatix knotless tissue control devices with those barbs or those little hooks on it to be able to allow surgeons to, to do things efficiently and also without tying a knot. You're amazing. We're talking to the great Howard Scalzo from Ethicon, an expert in making sutures. The, the reason I've asked him to come on the show is to enlighten us with the big advance because my world has been rocked, literally, by being able to use from this company, Ethicon, a brand new suture, thanks to Howard and his engineer team, that for the first time I don't have to tie knots when I'm closing the deep tissues in knee surgery, hip surgery, shoulder surgery that I do. And it's because, in addition to having it prevent infection, but the mechanical nature, it's not a smooth material anymore. It's roughened with sharp barbs so that when I pull up, I jerk up on the stitch a little bit, it locks into place. But here's what's really fascinating to me, Howard. You've put these fishing hook-type barbs in some cases on only one side of the suture and in other cases on both sides. So you have two hooks coming from the suture rather than just one hook as you go down the thread itself. This is also a, a tremendous innovation that you guys have come up with. Yes, agreed. And, and, and uh, giving the flexibility to the surgeon and to, to what is the appropriate product for the, the, uh, the particular procedure that they're doing. As you could imagine, and as you, as you said, having barbs uh, bi-directional, that can be very beneficial and can help with the speed of the surgery. And, of course, we want to uh, do things to, uh, to make things more efficient in the operating room. And then there are cases where just a, a unidirectional barb. And, of course, uh, as you've also mentioned, the size of the barb, the depth, the angle, the materials that mm -hmm. we're using, all of those impact how well that, that, uh, that barb will hold. Um, you know, initially a lot of work was done in the design there because we wanted to make sure that it was equivalent to a, uh, a suture that was being tied. And it's, uh, it, it is as strong, the, the tissue holding strength compared to uh, interrupted technique with sutures. In fact, it's, it's a little stronger than, than the uh, 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 just suturing. And so, Howard, I want to ask you a question. I pride myself on this show, and we only have about a minute left. I pride myself on this show on painting pictures with words. We call it clapper vision, okay, for injuries and all kinds of stuff. The more you listen to the show, you'll hear it. But I want to paint a picture right now, and tell me if I'm right. So in corporate headquarters, you now have an 8 o'clock meeting, okay, and you all go into the conference room, and there's 20 seats around a big conference room table with the big shot at the end of the table, the boss, and two engineers, two engineers, there's 20 of you sitting around the table. Do, is it literally that you go down the table one side versus the other and the first engineer is the expert in the tip of the needle, whether it's a cutting or a tapered needle? He then sits down after his speech. Then 
the person stands up, well, they're in charge of the shape of the needle itself, straight versus curved, or, then they have a seat. Then the person gets up, I'm in charge of the eye hole in the needle to put the thread through or does it clasp? And then people like you stand up and go, let's talk about the coating to prevent bacteria on it, and then you have a seat. Then the people who put the barbs in the suture give their little speech, and then they sit down. I mean, and then you go to lunch. But do you have a meeting with 20 people and each one has an expertise of the different parts of the suture that I unwrap in the operating room to use on my patient? Yes. Uh, oh. I, I think it's, <laughs> it, it, it's fair to say that we all have our expertise, but we all have to work together yeah. to make the final product. I love it. And can I just say one pun? Does at one point someone say, what's the point here in this needle and thread <laughs> conversation? <laughs> Listen, uh, Howard, yes. I want to thank you. And I, I'm not only going to thank you, but I'm going to thank those two beautiful parents of yours that encouraged you to go into a field that has helped millions of people that you'll never meet. And you know what the Bible says? The greatest form of charity you can give is when you give anonymously. All of those people that don't even know you exist, that you helped, Howard, you can sleep well at night. You've really made a difference in the world. And I want to thank you for joining me this morning and educating us. Thanks so much. God bless you, Howard. Thank you so much. It was my honor. Okay. That's the great Howard Scalzo from Ethicon. Coming up next, the lines are all lit. I know the clinic is waiting. I've already discussed the food, the hook and food, which is the cashews in that planter mixed nut box that I tin that I get from Smart and Final because Mr. Smart and Mr. Final teamed up. We'll get into, we'll open the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Because I'll just use you, then I'll set you free. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook, Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body, ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow, your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Ahoy ho! Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Pua Kini Kini! Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles ladies. Yeah, you turn me on. I'm hooked on a feeling. You're in love with me. And thanks for telling your friends. That's Blue Suede. I'm so excited after this show. You know where I'm going? I'm going to the new Rams Stadium, SoFi Stadium, with Brittany Todd from the Rams. And I'm going to get to see my seats, my season ticket seats. I'm so excited. And thanks to Brittany Todd. 
I actually have two seats for the Super Bowl. Hell yeah. That's right. Yours truly is going to the Super Bowl next year. Can't believe that I'm going to do it. True bucket list. Must have done something right if I get to go to the Super Bowl. Hello there. That's right. But I can't wait to see the SoFi Stadium. I'm so excited after this show. I'm coming, Brittany Todd. I can't wait to meet you in person. Don't forget, after this show, 9 a.m., L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Rams host Kirk Morrison. Love him. He's talking all things Los Angeles football, and he's a pro at it. He's really terrific. All right, let's take your calls. So what a what a cool interview, right? All about hooks. I hope you enjoyed it, because I did. Let's go to Richard. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Uh, good morning, Dr. Clapper. This is Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Call me Tito. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are the man, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite story? Yeah. Oh, geez, one of your earliest patients, you said, uh, I'm an electrician, and you said a guy urinated on the tracks in New York City. Oh, that was unbelievable. I have to tell people that story. Do you mind? I have to tell them that story. I was, a med, I was in my residency, and they made me go. I did a whole months and months of trauma, and I had to go to the ICU once. And when people get admitted to the hospital, what do they'll say? Chief complaint. Chief complaint, shortness of breath, chest pain. You know, all kinds. That's the chief complaint. CC, chief complaint. Well, if you have a urinary tract infection, what's the chief complaint? It burns when you urinate. Burning on urination, that's the chief complaint. So I go to the ICU, and at New York Hospital, oh my God, there's an ICU just for burn victims, believe it or not. So I go to see those series of patients. I'm in the ICU, and there's a guy who decided he got drunk one night, and he was on the subway platform, middle of the night. He's drunk, and it makes him pee. Drank too much beer, so he doesn't care. He's drunk, so he starts peeing all around the subway platform. Then he decides, hey, this will be fun. I'll I'll pee where the train comes, where the tracks are. Hey, there's one problem. The New York City subway is an electric train. It's not diesel. And how does it generate energy? Electricity. So there are the two tracks where the wheels go, but then there's a foot that comes off the subway that touches what's known as the third rail. That's what they call it. That's where the electricity comes to make these electric subway cars work. Well, in your urine is sodium, potassium, chloride. I mean, these electrolytes. This idiot decides to pee on the tracks and his urine goes and he pees on the third rail. Well, guess what happens? It's electrified. Zoop! Up right through the urine, right through his penis, Onto the rest of his body, he's in the ICU now, burned over 80% of his body, and what did they write as his chief complaint? I'm not kidding. Burning on urination. There you go. That's a great story. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) How can I help? How young are you, and what do you do for a living? I'm an electrician. I'm 66 years old. Are you ever going to retire? Uh, negative. They're going to have to send the right. FBI to get me out of there. People don't realize this, Richard. When you love what you do, I got news for you. I've never met you, but I got news for you. You are the best electrician right now. 20 years ago, you still got shocked when you put the two wires. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Two wires together that weren't <laughs> supposed to be, and you got blown across the room. 
That ain't going to happen now because you're no, smarter. No. You're better. You're the best electrician than you ever were. So why does everyone want to hock me that you're supposed to retire? I'm the best surgeon now after 32 years than I ever wow. was. You walk in my wow. office. I All I have to do is look at you and ask you to go from the chair to the exam table. I actually already know what's the matter with you. Or if I touch your shoulder, I don't have to wonder what the MRI says. I can feel the tendon through the skin. People go, come on, you can't do that. I've done over 16,000 surgeries in 32 wow. years, okay? You've done how many wires in all these years? You can see, you can look right through the sheetrock and you can see what the wiring is behind the wall. And people go, how do you know that, Richard? Because you don't have x-ray vision. You're just so good at it. So this whole world we live in, this society, anti-aging. No, I'm pro-aging. I don't want to get younger. I love getting older. I mean, anyway, I'm surrounded by people like that. So good for you. Don't ever retire. How can I help you? Yeah, I wear still toes, and when I take my shoes off, I put on the Crocs. I sometimes uh, wear the Crocs too much. The ball of my foot behind the, the almost beside the big toe, uh, it's got a lot of pain in there. I can barely walk on So, it. Richard, I want you to do me a favor. This is an extra special uh, delight that you and I are going to have. Okay. Next Saturday. You listen to the show, right? Every Saturday. Yes, every Saturday. Next Saturday, my guest is the one of the sweetest, nicest podiatrists. God forbid an orthopedic surgeon should be enjoying the works of a podiatrist. I love this guy. His name is Mark Weissman, and he is going to be my guest next week. We're going to talk about plantar fasciitis and all kinds of foot stuff that I love sending to him to take care of in people. Mark Weissman, he's going to be my guest next week, and he'll be coming on at 8.15. If you would call in at 8 15, then I'm going to have you get to talk to the expert about your foot, and he will tell you exactly what to do. This is an unbelievable, this is, as they say in Yiddish, a shidduch, which is a matchmaker. I'm combining right. you, Richard, with a foot person who knows more about feet than anybody else, He and he, this will be perfect. So can you be available next week at 8.15 oh, to call it? All right. So Steve you. Paulette, you're going to be here? Thank God. We will be here for you, Richard, next week at 8.15. You're going to call in, and I'm going to introduce you. Is that okay? That's great. That's All right. Great. God bless you, Richard. Doctor. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you next man. week. This is good. All right. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Let's take another call. Who we got? Let's go to Nick. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. Longtime listener. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, it's my pleasure. And it's Mick, not Nick. It's Mick. That's correct. And is Mick short for something? I was named after Mickey Mantle. You were. Okay, yes. so I got to tell you a story. You listen to the show? You know you know the storytelling I do here? Ever since day one. All right, thank you. God bless you. So I get a phone. I'm one of the few guys who got a phone call from their mother. May she rest in peace. She died in 2006, but she called me there in Florida because there's a law in New York. When you turn 65, you have to move to Florida. They moved to Florida, Delray Beach. My mother calls me one day. Hi, Mom. What's up? You know, Robbie, I was looking through all the stuff we moved down here from New York, yeah? And I found a shoebox filled with all your old baseball cards. What do you want me to do with them? You want me to throw them away? Are you kidding? You're the only Jewish mother who never threw their son's baseball cards away. Are you kidding me? And in that, in that box is the entire 1968 Topps baseball cards. And in that, car, in that box, 
I have a Mickey Mantle card. And let me tell you something. Living in Los Angeles right now, Mick, we are blessed because there is a player, and he's not on the Dodgers, who is the reincarnation of Mickey Mantle, and his name is Mike Trout. Whenever I see Mike Trout, first of all, how could you not love this guy? He's the greatest baseball player who's currently playing. I don't care what they say. And unfortunately, he plays for the Angels because they're never going to do anything. But he is Mickey Mantle. So are you a Mike Trout fan? Do you know about Mike Trout? Yes, sir. Do you agree with me? I totally agree with you. Yeah, good. That's good. That That's not a prerequisite for calling, but I'm glad that you agree with no. me. How young are you? What do you do for a living? 66, and I'm in transportation. All right. And how about you? Are you going to retire? Mm, someday. Someday. Exactly. Good answer. But not today. Good not answer. Today. Exactly. You better not because I'll yell at you. Okay. What did you do to yourself? Okay. How can I help you? Okay. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. January 28th. I, I'm a Vietnam veteran. January 28th, I was at the VA hospital for low pulse. And my low, my pulse had dropped down to 30. And they sent me to the ER room. And two technicians took me into the ER. And I put a gown on. One guy put an IV in my left arm. The other guy was hooking me up to the EKG and blood pressure monitor. And three and a half hours later, laying in the ER, my left arm turned purple and I had a real bad pain and I started yelling for help. And finally, a lady opened the door, the glass door, says, how can I help you? And I said, look at my arm. My arm is purple. And she says, oh, my God, called for a nurse. They came in. They removed the tourniquet that was placed on for over three and a half hours. Oy. Dr. Clapper, I'm no longer able to use my left arm. And Oy. when I go back to the VA hospital, they gave me a two-ounce bottle of lidocaine and told me, sign up for therapy. Oh, my God. Dr. Clapper, what's wrong with my arm? I cannot use my arm. I can't lift anything. I can't hold a cell phone mm. to my ear. I can't turn my wrist. I can't do anything. My arm is just hanging there. Do you still have, like, do you have to go to the VA or can you go to, can you come to Cedars? Um, that's my, because that's my insurance that I have is, is through the VA hospital. But right now I'm trying to get a malpractice attorney to help me. Uh, well, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing that you'll need to get into, but I need to at least help you get your arm back and get it moving again and get life back into it if we can. So do you have a pencil with your other hand? Can you write down a name? Yes. I want you to go see someone at Cedars that would be the perfect person to kind of get you to the next level to help you, okay? And his name is David Culber, K-U-L-B-E-R. I want you to call his office on Monday, and you need to go see him because we need to begin to get you better. The other stuff you'll have to deal with, I'm not getting involved with that right now. Right now, I I want to get you better, and that guy's going to get you better. David Culber, I want you to call him on Monday at Cedars and get in to see him because you need to get... Can we, whether it's tendon transfers, do nerves need to be released? I have no idea, but that's going to be the best person to get you started on the road to recovery. He has put together more kinds of, I've been involved with so many car accidents and motorcycle accidents and all kinds of trauma, and he's my favorite guy to work with to put things back together again. Okay, call David Culberts with a K, and that will be my way of getting you back to have an arm that you can use again. All right? Thank you, Dr. Clever. All right. God bless you. And thanks for listening so loyally. And I look forward to you getting better. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Wow, did this show go fast. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 
ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. don't go that's John Lee Hooker. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Steve Paulette is playing him because he's got a hook in his name, because his name is Hooker. I made sure to stay away from that topic on today's show, by the way. We're talking about hooks. We're talking about John Popper and the song Hook. And we're talking about suture material that has hooks in it that I'm using in the operating room. And Kevin Van Dam, the Michael Jordan of bass fishing, who designs hooks for fishing. What a crazy topic, but boy, was that fun. If you missed it, make sure you listen to the podcast. The interview with Howard Scalzo was great. All right, the clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Alex. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, uh, wanted to get your advice regarding uh, an MRI I did on my left knee. Okay. How um, young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 39, and I'm in IT field. What's Pretty your, much uh, wiring, low-voltage wiring and stuff. So. When's your birthday? March 7th. Wow. What did you, oh, so you got another year to go. What are you going to do when you turn 40? I don't know. Can I make a suggestion? Yes, sir. Alex, it's a monumental birthday. You should go see a monument. And the greatest monument in the world is not the pyramids. It's right here in America, and it's Mount Rushmore. You will never forget your 40th birthday, and it's not difficult to get there. You go to uh, Van Nuys Airport, and you fly to Denver. You stay, have a layover for an hour. You then fly to Rapid City, South Dakota. You rent a car, and in 15 minutes you will be seeing Gutzon Borglund's sculpture that will blow your mind. You could fit the Statue of Liberty into George Washington's nose. That's how big this is. It'll blow your mind. So you better start planning. I give you a whole year. You'll go and see it. Then you'll call me and you'll tell me what it was like. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Uh, I'm an ex-athlete 20-plus years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Played football in high school some in college and rugby. Anyways, long story short, I go up and down ladders and I think it might have caused my thing on the MRI report, meniscus. Mm-hmm. So, And I haven't had insurance and I recently just got insurance and it's through Kaiser. So with your professional expertise, I wanted to see if you would refer anybody within that field or that medical group. I don't really know because I'm at Cedars, so I don't know the Kaiser doctors, but I do want you to do me a favor. You listen to the show often? Yes, I do. Do not let anybody stick cortisone in your knee. 
I don't want any stem cells. I don't want any knee. I don't want, be holistic. There's a book I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Knees. You know, at 39, Alex, I may yeah. be the lone voice in your life to tell you not to do anything. If you can straighten your knee and bend your knee fully and it's not locked, being locked is a different story. But if it's not locked, man, I'd love you to start riding a stationary bike. I'd love you to start using the pool because, Alex, it's a cushion. Okay, maybe it's not a perfect cushion. You have a tear in it. But doesn't it hurt when you hold a hammer or clip roses and you get a blister in your hand? You can get a blister so bad from clipping so many roses for your wife or your girlfriend, you can't even pick up a pencil. Dr. Clapper, I can't pick up a pencil. I got a blister so bad in my hand. What should I do? I'm going to say, Alex, go clip her five more roses. What are you, crazy, Dr. Clapper? I just told you I can't pick up a pencil. Why would I keep clipping roses? I got a blister. Because, Alex, you and I know the blister will become a callus. Who cares what it looks like? It doesn't hurt anymore. I want to make your torn meniscus at 39 years old, which hurts, into a callus and avoid surgery. Can you imagine you're calling a surgeon and I'm telling you how not to have surgery? Because in my heart, Alex, the softest pillow to sleep on at night is a clear conscience. Not everyone we live around cares to have a clear conscience, but you do, Alex, and so do I. So I'm a surgeon telling you, yes, you have a torn meniscus. I'm not ignoring it, but let's do what we can to avoid surgery, not with pills and shots. Get the book, Heal Your Knees. You'll enjoy that. You'll find a doctor in Kaiser who'd be happy to to operate on you. I just would love you not to have surgery. How's that sound? Okay, I do appreciate your honest, uh, you know, take on it. And, yeah, that's – I actually don't want it. I've never had any surgery Good. all my Let's life. Let's keep you a virgin, yeah. if you know what I mean. Okay, Alex? Yeah. yeah. All right, and appreciate thanks so much time. for calling. Thanks, do me a favor. You find a total stranger today. You do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. We'll definitely do. Thank all right, God bless you. All right, Warriors, that's it. I leave you with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which I feel like that's what we just did. And that's why it's the theme song. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Nel cielo infinito.